Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 180 Degrees. I am the host with the most, Zoe George, here. Unfortunately, for the time being, I'm alone, but my fantastic, fantabulous co-host, Inga, will be joining me towards the end of the show on Zoom. She is still at home. If you guys want to send out any prayers to her, I'm sure she would appreciate that greatly. But yeah, this is going to be a very, very fun show. We have a fun, groovy movie that... Honestly, like I've kind of forgotten about this one, but <laughs> I was on Twitter before I deactivated it for the exams and I saw this clip it had gone viral and I just remembered how much I loved it the very first time I watched this movie and I was like, I have to make this the groovy movie. Then we have some fun What's Down in Cape Towns that you guys might want to really consider doing its themed around restaurants this week in Cape Town. We have a fantastic interview with... Uh, psychologist a fellow Nigerian I'm really excited for this one you guys you know how much we love mental health and with the exams right on our footstep I feel like all the students out there could use some tips anything or just any tips about mental health after all it is very important next we have a very challenging bible quiz and nice happy health tips that will be covered by Inga over zoom Cape Town Cape Town Cape Town Cape Town. What's down in Cape Town? Cape Town. It is seven minutes past the hour of seven and you are tuned into 180 degrees on 79 a.m. I'm Zoe George and I'm going to be with you guys up until 8 p.m. just for an hour, but it's going to be a fun packed hour. One of the fun things we're going to be doing now, as you have just heard, is covering the What's Down in Cape Town section of the show. As I mentioned before, this week's What's Down in Cape Town is themed around cool restaurants in Cape Town. So I have three ones I think you guys should check out. I know I'm definitely going to check them out once my exams give me some breathing space so the first one is called chef's warehouse boo constantia Bo constantia sorry i am not french i'm working on it but i am not french guys this beautiful sister to the exceptional chef's warehouse and wine bar in the city center this buzzed out restaurant offers a set menu of fine dining caliber Global toppers delivered with glorious views across the famous vine-clad valley. Coupled with the stunning setting, chic interiors and panoramic vistas, this is a dining experience worth writing home about. It's good to note that the Chef's Warehouse in Tinsualo Atlantic is also making waves with its splendid ocean visits and a set menu focused on marine delights. If you would like to check it out, if I've sold you, make note of the fact that it is open from Monday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Then it closes for a little bit, reopening at 5.30 p.m. to close at 8.30 p.m. On Sundays, they're only open for two and a half hours from 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. If you'd like to call and make a reservation, you can call 021-794-8632 or email them at info at chefswarehouse.co.za. You can find it at BU Constantia and 1043 Constantia Main Road in Cape Town. Next is a restaurant just called Pier. Pier promises culinary adventures and theatrics, as expected. But with John Norris Rogers in charge, the focus is clearly on the best flavors poked from the best local produce. The office set out at 9 or 11 dishes, running from the gauntlet of the Lacombe Group skill of aplomb from the very first snack to the petite four offered with the bill. 
There's also an extra cheese that all South Africans are said to enjoy as a dessert. Um, it's a good thing I'm not South African because I'll just say I do not like cheese. I've never met a cheese I really liked, but maybe I would try this one. The dining experience of this stellar quality in the waterfront is well overdue. It is open from Monday to Sunday from 12 to 3 p.m. Then it closes, reopening at 6.30 p.m. until late. If you'd like to call them and make a booking, you can call them at 021-879-6328. Alternatively, if you do not like phone calls like me, you can also just send them an email at reservations at peer dot restaurant you can find it at the pierhead building in the vna waterfront in cape town now the last one but certainly not the least is called fine spelt f-y-n so i'm going to call it fine the menu and decor of this african inspired restaurant is an over oh has also overarching japanese aesthetics making for an utterly seductive and delicious combination of tastes and flavors textures and style wow what a combination African and Japanese. Hmm. A combination I didn't know I needed, but now I'm incredibly curious about. Fine's fast-paced inner city informs the menu a condensed five-course Kayasaki-style experience with some of the most original wine pairings, courtesy of Jennifer, who spent 17 years at Lacombe as a sommelier and a manager. Bravo. Now they are open on Mondays from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. and on Tuesdays to Saturdays from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. closing and then reopening again at 5.30 p.m. to close at 8.30 p.m. If you'd like to call them to make a reservation, please reach them at 021-286-2733. Alternatively, you can also email them at info at finerestaurant.com. You can find it on the fifth floor on 37 Parliament Street in the Speaker's Corner, Church Square in Cape Town. And that's it, what we have for this week's What's Sound in Cape Town. Three fantastic, interesting, very diverse restaurants that you should check out. Zoe on 180 Degrees. So this week on 180 Degrees, we have a doctor in the house. I accidentally disrespected her in the beginning of the show and I must apologize. She's not a psychologist. She's a psychiatrist. That's even cooler. Good evening, Dr. Ayoride. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And you, Zoe? Oh, I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so excited. So I'd just like to start off by asking if you can tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I am Idoreng Yenakbabiu. I am a Nigerian with a little bit of South African flavor. Hmm. I am passionate about mental health, and as such, I went and specialized in and qualified as a psychiatrist. I'm based here in Cape Town, and when I'm not busy with mental health, I am a liker of things and a lover of adventures. Ooh, so you have many hot. I bet you go hiking a I lot. Do. I <laughs> do. You're in the right city for that. Definitely. So you said that you are very passionate about mental health, but how exactly did you find yourself on this specific career path? Hmm. Uh, well, luckily for me, um, when I was introduced to psychiatry initially in med school, it was something that I really, really gravitated to. And I think it's because I have an inquisitive mind. I like asking questions. And a lot of psychiatry is trying to piece together information to figure out what exactly you're looking at. So, yeah. That's how I find myself in psychiatry and um, being inquisitive, asking questions, but being able to do it in a way that's not just nosy, <laughs> but allows you to be able to bring about a change in people's lives. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That you actually want to help people change for the better. Definitely. Can you describe to us what exactly a day of work generally looks like for you? Um, so as a psychiatrist, like I said, my job is to ask the right questions. So let's say a patient comes to see you. The patient is coming with certain concerns. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're anxious. Uh, you want to ask the right questions to figure out why are they having these concerns and you want to figure out is it a psychological cause or a non-psychological cause because that will be managed by somebody else. If mm-hmm. we figure out that this is a psychological, mental health primarily um, issue, we will manage with medication, which as a medical doctor we are able to prescribe medication. It means also then following up with the patient to make sure that they are responding to the medication that we've mm-hmm. given them the right medication. They're not having any poor response to the medication or side effects or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then also just generally because of um, I am in government sector, it is about running the ward, making sure that the systems are in place. It's also doing the admin, you know, mm. the, the nitty gritty of making oh. sure that our services are running smoothly. Huh. Yeah. I would like to ask a question that's just something of a spur of the moment thing, but sure. I generally did not know that there was, I knew there was a distinction between psychologists and psychiatrists, but yeah. I thought that the only distinction was that psychiatrists were able to prescribe medicines. Yeah. So do you ever get to see people for like counseling sessions before you start um, prescribing medicine? Um. You can, yes. So so psychologists and psychiatrists, the main difference is, is, like you said, psychiatrists can prescribe, and that's because they are medical doctors first before they now specialize mm. in psychiatry, whereas psychologists focus primarily on various forms of talk therapy with the patient. Um, whilst training to be a psychiatrist, however, you are exposed to certain skills and certain therapeutic skills, and you might find that some individuals have a a milder form of whatever condition they're going through that does not necessitate medication yet. And if you have put in effort or trained specifically in those counseling skills, therapy skills, you do have psychiatrists who specialize also in therapy, Mm -hmm. then you are able to offer therapy to the patient without it necessarily being just about the medication. Mm -hmm. Mm. Would you be interested in going down that route of, you know, specializing in, in therapy? Uh, yeah, in therapy. I, I would, definitely. Yeah, I mean, because you said you like asking questions. <laughs> I do, definitely. I would because um, the medication is good for some individuals, but, you know, it is one part of managing a patient. And even as doctors, we look at the whole individual. So we talk about a biopsychosocial model. We realize that medication is one aspect, but what are the psychological issues that they're facing as well? What are the difficulties that they're having maybe with their mother, with their partner, with their mm. child or so on, which is also contributing to what we're seeing? What are the social issues? And that is not something you will fix by swallowing a tablet, but mm. by teaching the individual how do you deal with what is going on and actually getting them to draw it out because sometimes also people are in denial. So you yes. need to be able to have those skills. So mm. definitely it would be something that, I would be passionate about pursuing and also incorporating into how I deal with my clients. Wow, mm. that that's really amazing. I would like to ask, what are some of the effects you have seen that the COVID-19 lockdowns have had on people's mental health? I know, I think our last lockdown was like two years ago, but 
the way that COVID came into our lives, we will just never be the same. And I feel like many people are still recovering from that time because it was it was very strange, you know. We, of course, we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, and as much as you say it ended, or oh, it was about two years ago, mm. we're actually just now coming out of the main lockdown and the pandemic as a thing, yeah. even though we're still on the tail end of the pandemic. So like you said, it was such a surprise to yes. individuals. It wasn't anything that we were expecting. Um, the effects have been huge on a lot of people. It has worsened conditions for some of the people that already had issues. And then it has also brought on a wave of conditions in people that never had mental health mm. issues before. So we've had things such as people's depressions worsening or anxiety worsening. And then also it's starting afresh because obviously in lockdown you were isolated. You were separated from the people yeah. that you love. Um, for some people going to work or going to school is the only time that they actually are in association with other people. Mm. So suddenly you lock them in your house, which is for your own good, yes, because of the virus. But the after effects of that was that there was this epidemic of loneliness, increased stress, mm. increased anxiety as well. Um, then anxiety as well, just because of the virus itself. You know, people are worried about, will I get it? Will I survive? What about my mother? What about my brother? My, mm. So there was all of that thing. Then um, with the virus itself, obviously people that contracted it, we did have the issue of people dying. So you had people grieving yes. loved ones and Unlike in normal circumstances, you now had to grieve from mm. afar. Yeah. Um, so you didn't get to, especially for those that are involved with cultural rites and ceremonies, you weren't able to say goodbye. You weren't able to do it, the usual things that you would be able to do to process. You also had to bury the body almost immediately. So yes. there's, there's all of that things that we still find that people are struggling because they say, I wasn't able to get closure, you know. Mm. There's also PTSD from those that experience COVID themselves because some have been left with the consequences yes. of the infection, you know. For some, it was a fairly, um, fairly innocent flu-like bug, whilst others have had more long-term effects such as having heart problems or mm. breathing problems or memory fogginess and so on. So there's like this mourning of who they were before, mm. but also for some that were in hospitals, they've witnessed other people die in front of them. Oh they had to go through the feeling of also wondering, oh my gosh, am I going to die next? Or all of those things. And then we also think about the effects that it has had on day-to-day -day life for individuals. So some people lost their jobs, some people lost their homes and things like that. So you dealing with the stress of now trying to figure out where is my next meal coming from, where, where how am I going to afford the rent, how am I going to... Mm. All of those things have contributed to definitely a mental health pandemic of its own. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even, like, think about that. All throughout the pandemic, we've kept the show going. And every week when we bring someone on, we generally try to ask them about, like, any differences they've seen in whatever field they're in or how they've been affected by COVID. But no one has ever actually brought up the fact that on side by side with this physical pandemic of COVID-19, like there's also been just like a widespread spread of, you know, people suffering from mental disorders. And I can imagine for many of the people, like you mentioned, who have not had these issues before, it it can be extra hard. You know, a lot of people don't really grasp how deep mental disorders can be they think you know it's just something in your head mm -hmm. you know you can't always see its effects unless it has physical manifestations like yeah. the way anxiety can make you shake have panic attacks but my goodness but wow i'm i I'm, i didn't even like think about that that's 
And it's kind of blowing my mind. You speak so passionately about like this career path you're in, and it's it's a lovely to see someone enjoy what they do so much. So I know you're not going to have any trouble answering this next question I have for you. But what is your favorite part about what you do? Um, I think it would be giving people hope. Yes. And my name actually means hope. So Idorian means hope. And a lot of the times I am caught at the serendipity um, of that. You know, some people come, um, having mental health issues is is a big downer, you know. And some people come and they do feel like, you know, there is no way forward. This is the end and so on. And being able to help people feel like, you know, this is not the end. Um, We can work together to at least try and push you forward still. It brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of contentment, definitely, to be able to give people that hope. See people that have come in feeling hopeless Mm. leave knowing that, yeah, um, things can get better. Of course, um, that's not to say that there aren't sad stories. Um, Mm. I think that would be painting an incomplete picture. But I do try to focus on those stories where I am able to have seen that I've made a visible change. And that keeps me motivated and keeps me going on in this path. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That. Oh, my gosh. I We should have gone on Facebook Live, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should have you on again. And then we'll go on Facebook Live. I'm just smiling from ear to ear, honestly. What is something that you wish more people just knew about mental health in general? Um, I would say probably having mental health issues is not something to be ashamed of. Yes. Um, but as you've said, it is something that people don't always understand, especially because it's not as readily visible as if you break your arm or, you know, something you've, you've had an operation or so on. This is something that, you can easily hide. And that's why they say you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. But also part of why you might not know what somebody's going through is because people are ashamed. Mm. They feel like they have to deal with this in secrecy because otherwise what will people think of me? You know, I'm mm-hmm. always so strong. I'm always so this. I'm always so that. And so for people to know that if you do have a problem, it isn't something to be ashamed of. That doesn't mean you, you don't need to necessarily tell everybody if you don't want to, but it's always good to have some people in your corner that can support you whilst you manage this condition the same way anybody else has um, people in their corner supporting them as they deal with whatever condition. Mm-hmm. So one, you don't need to be ashamed. And then I think to those of us who may not necessarily have a mental health condition or something that is significantly impairing us, is also to always remember to be compassionate. Yes. Um, it isn't something nobody willingly chooses to be depressed or to have schizophrenia or to have an eating disorder, etc. Um, and not showing compassion adds to the stigma. It adds to the reluctance of people to seek help. Um, it makes it difficult for people to feel like they can get better, you know. Yeah. So if we can also be a little bit more compassionate towards one another, it helps It helps those who need help know that they can actually go and get help. Yes. Mm-hmm. i just like to thank you for also talking to people who don't have, you know, mental health problems because I, for one, tend to see how people generally – it's a, it's a very interesting thing I observed a couple of years ago. Um, hmm. Someone, I didn't know this person, but this is a bit of a trigger warning. So trigger warning for suicide. But someone I knew of 
yeah. committed suicide in. It was very sad, you know, I was in a place where half of the people, they all knew her, and half of them were, you know, mourning her life, and the other half were talking about her so, so strange. I felt it was so strange, like, how how could you speak so ill of someone who just passed? And I feel like people, when they don't know these things, like, like they can't really empathize with you, but... I think... I think it's human nature to judge negatively yes. what you don't understand. And like we said, a lot of these mental, there are some mental health conditions that are obviously very um, obvious. You yes. can look at somebody and see there's definitely a problem here. But the ones that really, really shock people are those where the person has had a mm. very clean and proper facade. And yes. then something like that happens, like you said, um, suicide that has taken people by storm so that also, whilst people are trying to deal with the loss, there's mm. that anger because how dare you do this? Meanwhile, um, in my experience, people that have attempted suicide, for the most part, it's because of this intense pain yes. that they are trying to get rid of. Like it's it's the way your arm pains when you've throbbed it, um, banged it against a door or something. They're feeling this intense emotional pain and they just need for it to stop. So it's never about you or what did I not do or what not. But if we remain compassionate and empathetic, right, we might be able to understand something or even if we can't understand, just acknowledge that this person struggled and mm. how can I be there for the person if they are there and if they have unfortunately taken their life to just try and understand that mm-hmm. that yeah. person in that moment thought that that was the only thing that they could do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was... That was so wise. <laughs> I mean, not surprised. I'm talking to a doctor. I guess I would like to ask you one or other two final questions before we round up this interview that I really actually don't want to end. <laughs> but I would like to ask if you have any advice, as part from the one you just gave, which was fantastic, let me just say that, for young people who may be suffering at this time, especially, you know, with exams coming and it's just a very difficult time hmm. to prepare for everything. It's, hmm. it's hard. Hmm. Um, I would say find somebody that you trust that at least will be in your corner. I think being young in general is a difficult period of time. You're always trying to figure out who you are, who are your friends, what are my goals, this, that. And especially then add on the pressures of exams like you're speaking yeah. about Um Youth is generally a difficult time. So have somebody that you trust that you can speak to when you are feeling kind of off, right? And that also means knowing when you feel off. Um, how, how are you when you're happy? How are you when you're sad? And if you have that person, tell them, you know, I'm not feeling so good today. So the other person can also just mm-hmm. help keep an eye on you. And this could be a peer, a wise one anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a parent or a school therapist or teacher. So somebody that you trust, really. And then also taking care of yourself, especially, again, during exam season, there's the temptation to uh, do all-nighters and mm. cram and all of that stuff, but you still need to give yourself a good time of rest. You need to um, take care of yourself physically, eating well, um, physical exercise. And again, whilst stressed during exams, you <laughs> might not always think about going to the gym or this or that, and you don't necessarily need to, but give yourself a few minutes to do a little walk around the block or on the same floor that you're staying on. So just keep yourself healthy. Um, limit screen time as well. We live in a period where social media also contributes to a lot of people's depression and anxiety because there's this 
concerned that, oh, this person is doing better than I am at the mm-hmm. same age. Um, meanwhile, you forget that it's just a snapshot. You don't know what that person is going through or what else is happening outside of that five-second snap that they took. So limit your screen time when you notice that you are starting to feel down or feel bad about yourself when you're comparing yourself yeah. to those things. And then also just sometimes take some downtime. It's okay to have a day where you're not as productive. Mm. Um, allow yourself to have those days and then regroup and start again. And then also, if you have started seeing somebody, continue seeing somebody. Make sure you go to see your doctor, go to see your psychologist, take your medication if you have been prescribed. So keep, keep, keep yourself healthy in all aspects. Yes, I'm going to use all of those advice that I just heard because I... I've got to say, I was not doing some of them. And to hear them from you, I know I have to go walk somewhere. Please, <laughs> please. please. <laughs> and the last one is, would you be comfortable with giving anyone your social media if they want to follow you? Or if not, that's totally okay. Sure. Um, my social media, as far as mental health is concerned, is Dr. Akpabio. Yeah. So D-R-A-K-P-A-B-I-O, where we discuss mental health-related some things. And then we also sometimes have our own chat shows on different topics. So is this on Facebook? This is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Well, I know I'm definitely going to follow those accounts. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for such a fantastic, very enlightening, very needed and necessary interview. I'm tickled pink that you were here and you've shed so much wisdom for me and the listeners. It was truly appreciated. Thank you for having me. It was a nice chat. I'm always happy to talk about mental health. So thanks for the platform. We do have one final question from a listener Mm -hmm. and he asks, how do you deal with the side effects of some of the medication? Um, So some of the side effects can be managed by reducing the dose of the medication. And also um, some of them you need a change of medication. Mm. So don't handle it by yourself. Always work in conjunction with your treating doctor. Um, The doctor would have informed you that these are the possible side effects. So it at least reduces a little bit of the stress when you already know what might come. But if you do have those side effects, sometimes also it's just a matter of giving yourself time and the body adjusts the medication and the side effects go away. But if they are persistent, speak with your doctor, let them adjust the dose for you or adjust the medication completely and then you go from there. Never stop any medication just suddenly unless you've discussed with the doctor because some of them have withdrawal side effects, right? Um, So there are some that the doctor will stop immediately for you, but at least you are already in in working um, together so they know what to look out for as opposed to if you just do it at home, cold, cold turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, to you, listener, I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for asking, and thank you so much for answering that question, doctor. <laughs> this you. has been amazing. If you guys want to check this interview out, and I think you should, it'll be available in two days on our podcast site, you know, our website, www.kpulpit.co.za. You guys should check it out. Now let's just head on into the Mystery Bible Quiz. 180 Degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m., Mystery Bible Quiz mystery bible quiz section of the show and honestly i don't even know how to ask you guys a question after such 
a fantastic interview, you guys. I'm still reeling from it. I would strongly, strongly encourage you to listen to it again. If you have missed it, it is available or will be available on our website in two days on kpulpit.co.za. Send it to any of your friends who may need it. It was very relevant. But yeah, let me just ask you guys what this week's Bible quiz is. It is the question. Wow, that English. Exam time is scrambling my brain. I can no longer speak English, but fortunately I'm not studying it or the Bible. But here's the question we have. Who was the first king of Israel? Now, if you didn't know, for a long time, Israel didn't have a king. I guess the Lord just kind of ruled over them. But one day the people just came together and I don't know if it was like peer pressure. Maybe they needed some mental health tips because they looked at all the other nations and they were like, wow, y'all have kings. I want a king. Why can't I have a king? God, we want a king. So then God, you know, he chose a king and he was appointed by a great prophet. If you have any idea who the king was, please WhatsApp us the name of that king to 081-729-1657. Alternatively, you can SMS us at 37988. Follow us on Facebook today. I am radio. Going to pose the question once again. Who was the first king of Israel? Now, the answer to this question can be found in 1st, not 2nd Samuel, verses 9. Specifically, I mean, in chapter 9, specifically verses 15 to 16. The first king of Israel was Saul, and he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. So all of you guys who guessed that correctly, you can give yourselves a pat on the back. You indeed know good cinema. Now that's, I mean, no, wow, you know the Bible. That's not cinematic at all. I don't know. Like I told you guys, I'm about to start exam time. I didn't use any of the tips I just heard now. So my brain's a bit scrambled. But hopefully by next week, I'll be back on top after using some of these tips going on a walk. Deactivating more of my social media and just taking off a day instead of working seven days a week. That's definitely not healthy. But yeah, let's just go on into the happy health tip. Health tips. How to be happy in your health. It's not just about being healthy, it's about being happy. Should be quite interesting. Chocolates are the true source of happiness. Indeed it is. Chocolates have always been a true source of happiness. For me, for everyone I know, unless they were maybe, I don't know, diabetic. But even then, you can still have diabetic-friendly chocolate. However, I'm going to be covering this week's um, happy health tip. And it is focused on how to navigate grief. Grieving is a process that is very unique to each person. In the times that we live in, I'm sure most of us, if we haven't lost someone close to us, we are close to someone who has and we've had to grieve on their behalf. So I think this is a tip that is relevant to everyone. The first tip is to accept some loneliness. Loneliness is completely normal, but it is important not to get too isolated. Reach out to people and support groups who are comfortable with grief, who can let you move through the process at your own pace. I know sometimes when you're going through something, you often feel like, No one understands you, especially when none of your friends have this particular experience, which is why it is important to find people who have gone through what you've gone through. Support groups are so important. And there's 
no man is an island, so it's never good to go through anything alone. The next one is to choose good company. Look for friends, old and new, who know how grief feels and who can let you be alone, but not alone. When you need company and someone who won't place any further burdens or expectations on you, especially at this point in time, you don't need all that. The next one is to be gentle with yourself. Try not to judge yourself for not doing better or keeping it together just because you saw someone on Instagram who had this massive thing happen to them and then the next moment they were still back to running their Instagram shop and selling things. We all experience life very differently and if you need a little bit more time, don't beat yourself up over it. It's very natural and you need to grieve the way you need to grieve. The next one is one I will always love and that is to get extra rest. Physical and emotional exhaustion is very common. You will need more rest than usual. So allow yourself to be a little, quote, lazy as you're going through the healing process. The next one is to embrace all emotions. Realize that feelings come and go whether we like it or not. All we can do is let them move through like waves in the ocean or clouds in the sky. It is neither the weak or abnormal to feel these waves. There are many approaches under the category of mindfulness that can help with emotional self-regulation. It's also important to know when to seek professional help. The next one is to set a regular sleep schedule. Make it a goal to go to bed and awaken at the same time each day. Give yourself a good amount of rest, but also be on guard for sleeping too much as a way to avoid the hard work of grieving. It's also very good to give yourself a bit of a routine. I just, I found that having a structured routine in my life has helped me. When I first left school, I took a gap year. And, you know, when you take a gap year for a little bit, you go a little bit crazy with sleeping whenever you want. You know, you don't have anywhere to go. But even though I school remotely and I don't really need to be up at a specific time, being up at a specific time has helped me in ways that... I just can't even like articulate right now, but it has changed my life for better. The next one is to move your body. Get up and walk or move about, preferably outside at least a little bit each day. This is actually a tip that was given to us in the interview section of the show. Once again, if you missed that one or you'd like to send the fantastic interview we had to someone, you can do so by going onto our website in about two days. This show should be loaded as a podcast on www.kpulpit.co.za. And I think you guys should share this one, especially with the times we are in right now. The last one, but certainly not the least, is to talk to your doctor. Tell your primary caregiver doctor that you are bereaved so that they can help you to keep a high on and to keep an eye on some healthy habits. This is very important. Always know when to reach out to other people who can help you in any way necessary. Always know when to seek professional help. There's no shame in doing so. You need to look out for yourself and your mental health. And that's all we have for you guys on this episode of of 180 Degrees. It is five minutes or actually six minutes to eight o'clock. We're at the bottom of the hour. An hour has gone by. You guys, it literally like... I don't even know where it went. But <laughs> if you'd like to hear more, I'll be back here same time next week with another fun show. You guys don't want to miss it. 
But yeah, this has been Zoe George on 180 Degrees. Stick around for the next youth show that plays afterwards. But goodbye for now. This is 180 Degrees signing out.